Thank you, Lord. What a blessing. See you guys tonight. Amen. Good to have fellowship, worship the Lord together. And my favorite thing to talk about the Word of God. God is good. It's a blessing to be living in Jesus Christ and to have an overcoming life through Christ, uh, to know the truth. The truth sets you free to enjoy the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. We had the blessing of having Cedric with us the last couple of days. We did a lot of YouTube videos, so we uh, have a lot to put on YouTube and share, so that's a blessing. Um, Anybody got a testimony tonight? Uh, Something going on? Tell me what's happening in your life. Tell me what you're reading. Tell me what you're going through right now. Anybody? Scripture. I mean, you know, this is what your pastor is teaching you this. 
And it's wrong. It's false. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that the righteousness covers it. We do whatever, whatever you want. You're good as long as you believe. As long as you believe, you're good. That's all you got to do. Well, it's uh, that's a blessing to hear from me. You know, when you when you sing where Ben's been, <laughs> my son, and to see that. You're getting it. <laughs> That's a blessing, you know, that uh, to hear the words coming out of your mouth, that you recognize that false prophet, that false teaching. Um, before, you didn't really have ears to hear. And now what I'm hearing coming out of your mouth is truth and is recognition of what's not truth. Uh, scripture says in John chapter 10 that my sheep hear my voice and follow me. In a stranger's voice, they will not, they will not follow. They will not listen to. And um, so, it's a blessing when you hear the voice, when you hear the voice of the Lord in your life, and you walk in His way, and you recognize the voice of that stranger. You know, and um, that's a blessing to hear that. Uh, the Bible says that um, in the last days there would be a, in Second Peter chapter. Uh, three, I think it is. Um, he says, and it talks about the last days that we live in. Second Timothy. <clears throat> Anybody need a Bible, by the way? We need some extra Bibles. Anybody needs one? Um, yeah, Second Timothy chapter three. It says, uh, "This know also that in the last days perilous times or dangerous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Nobody wants to spend any time in the Word. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So we see that in these days that we live, and surely this is the last days because you can define every one of those things in this day that we live in. But it says that they would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power. What power are they denying? Deny the power for God to free you to be able to live a, a, a wholesome, righteous life in Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he says this also, he says about the latter days, he says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, same thing, um, that uh, latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and teachings of the devil, doctrines of devils. Um, wow, you know, and we see these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I never knew it was so prevalent in the world as I see now. You know, when you go around and you see the beliefs of um, of the modern day church is is so far has gone so far away from the teachings of Christ. I was looking at a scripture over in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter. 1 in verse 8. Actually, I started in verse 6. Um, the Thessalonian church was a church that uh, they were going through a lot of problems. 
a lot of persecutions for the name of Christ. But they held fast their faith. They were holding fast in all their tribulations. And Paul was writing to them and uh, telling them that, you know, that uh, for their faith and their patience through all their tribulations in verse 4. But then in verse 6, he says, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense or repay tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And let's define that. He goes further and defines it. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's coming with fiery vengeance on those that know not God and that don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it seems that today we live in a time where it seems like the teachings of Jesus Christ himself are totally voided, totally not even looked upon because we have today these theologies that man has brought in, these teachings that void out all of the teachings of Christ and the teachings of penal substitution or sin nature and imputed righteousness and faith alone, salvation, and, um, and all these different doctrines, they say, well, you're just not under the law that you don't have to worry about doing the commandments of God, that you're not going to be judged by the commandments of God, and that you'll be, um, you'll be judged... Uh, your judgment will not be null and void as long as you accept the Lord and come to the Lord. In Ephesians 2, let's turn there. Ephesians 2, remember that verse I just gave you, but let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Anybody else have something, first of all? Anybody else have anything on their hearts they need to talk about tonight? Anything other than Ben? Because you already said it, not other than you, but because you've already said that. I want to look at Ephesians 2 carefully uh, with you. Ephesians 2, talk, he's talking to the Ephesian church, Paul is, and he's talking to them and says that God has quickened them or made them alive because they were dead in trespasses and sin. You're not alive when you're still in trespasses and sin. Your Bible calls you as being dead. You're not, there's no life in you. You're dead. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Before, we just did whatever the world did. We just walked according to that course and just followed that way of that principle of life. Uh, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, the way we lived in times past, in the lust of our flesh, doing what, we, what our flesh desired, right? We wanted to make it feel good. So it wanted something, we gave it what it wanted. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, whatever came in our mind, we fulfilled. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as others. So he's talking here about how they used to be, right? And now, now they're changed. They were dead in sins and trespasses. Now they're alive because Christ has quickened them because they had that measure of repentance, that full measure of repentance had come. And it says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, and sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to ask you a question. You always ask me questions, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, he said, for by, for by grace you say through faith, that not of yourselves. It wasn't something that you necessarily did by your own works to try to earn your salvation. The question that's asked, that's a very important question in this age, is are you saved by faith through, by grace alone, speaking of unmerited favor? Are you saved by that? I believe that's a starting point. Okay. And, uh, but you're supposed to be, as a starting point, it gives you the opportunity to go further through works. Okay. Because what's what there's, what's there's mainly preached is that you faith there. that you you say by faith alone. Okay, you've heard that you say by faith alone. You trust in the finished work of Christ by faith, and that you're saved. True or false? Repeat that again. Exactly. The teaching is it says here that you're saved by faith through grace. That you're saved by faith alone by believing God, by faith alone by just a belief in God, and that. You're, you're saved by that. It's not anything that you do that you just save by faith, saved by faith through grace, and that if you save by faith through grace, you save in your sin. No. It's all about, really, and I've been seeing this a lot lately, and we've spoke about this, and I really didn't used to believe this, but now I'm seeing that how much works are a big, huge part. We're going to be judged by our, our works Okay, now let me let me give you a scripture for that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, if you want to turn there, you can. It says that, um, that one man um, plants, another man waters, God gives the increase, okay? And then it says that it talks about works. And it talks about those works that you do, some labor for wood, hay, stubble, some for precious gold, silver, and stone. And he said, every man's work shall be tried of what sort it is. And he said, when he goes through the fire, yet if, yet if he did it the wrong way, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. What's taught is, is that you work, when you work and you do right and you do good, that those works have nothing to do with your salvation. It only has to do with your reward, whether you get a reward in heaven or not. Okay? Okay, so I'm going to give you the other side of this thing. So, and you can see how if you're being taught that you're saved by faith through grace alone, you can see that, hey, you're saved in your sin. That would be the next question I ask you. Can you be, are you saved in your sin at that point? Uh, we, we all believed that before. We were saved in our sin, right? I mean, we all believe that that you were saved in your sin, and then you would go through a process of sanctification, and over time, you would get better and better, until, but you would never really be able to stop sinning because there was a sin nature involved. Um, so what sin would keep you from the kingdom of God if you saved by grace through faith? Is there any sin that would keep you through, from the kingdom of God? In that teaching, there really wasn't. There isn't. You say you, any, any sin.
So therefore, if you were saved in your sin, then when you died and you were in your sin, you were still saved. You didn't, you didn't become unsaved because of sin because you were saved in your sin. You see how, how that works together? For instance, I heard one preacher say that, hey, I was saved by grace through faith. Therefore, I'm going to go to heaven by grace through faith in my sin. I was saved in my sin, and I'm going to go to heaven in my sin because I was saved. No, but but no, but they no. They they say you'll never be able to live without sin. Of course, we all know that, right? They say you'll always sin till the day you die. But that's okay, because you're not saved by by your works. Your works are only counted for your rewards in heaven. It's not counted for what you will for whether you'll go to heaven or hell, because you you were saved by faith through grace in your sin. So, what would make you unsaved if that was true? What would make you unsaved? Nothing could, right? Because you were saved in your sin, and that's and that's their whole. That's the whole argument is on that side is that, hey, I was saved by faith through grace. So why would I be unsaved? If, and I was saved in my sin. So why would I be, become unsaved in my sin? You see? Because I, I was saved like that. And you understand, are you following what I'm saying? And, and, and that's the problem with that doctrine, you know, is because you're, you, you place people in that realm. And but when you do that, you have to eliminate a lot of scriptures, in the Bible, you have to eliminate all the teachings of Jesus Christ, because remember, I read in First Thessalonians, I mean Second Thessalonians one eight a minute ago. I read about that He shall come in fiery vengeance, taking vengeance on those that know not God and that obey not the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is sin? The definition of sin in First John chapter three verse four is sin is the transgression of the law to break God's commands to miss the mark is sin, but He's saying He's coming to take vengeance on all those that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, obviously, when Paul was talking about in Ephesians two here, is a lot of more, well, they'll use that particular scripture and say, "See, I'm saved by faith and grace," but they're not reading the whole scripture. That's why I read the beginning of that scripture to you. It says that you were following the lust of your flesh and the lust of, of the eyes and, and, and your passions. You were doing that. You were, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. And then Christ quickened you, made you alive because they, you were living like that. And then he goes on and he says the next verse after the verse, for by grace you say through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Then the next verse, he says, not a works like any man should boast. Verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship. Uh-oh, we got some work here. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. <laughs> but see, you never, they never really get that far. They stop before they get there. Because you see, faith, faith is a work. Everybody understand that? I'll show you the scriptures. Everybody understand faith is not something just that you believe in your mind. Faith actually is a work. Uh, you can look at that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. You'll find that faith is a work. May I ask you another question? Can faith alone save you? James chapter 2. That's answered by Scripture. James chapter 2, verse 
judgment? We can start there. Um, well, we can start at verse 17. Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. So faith, if it doesn't have works, what is it? it by itself, it's dead. It does, it's nothing. So, so can you be saved by faith alone? It says it's dead. It's nothing. Yeah, maybe I say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that you one God, that you do well, but the devil believes also, at least he trembles. But with I say, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Was that Abraham our father justified by works? And see, everybody wants to use Abraham, see, he was a man of faith, he was our father of faith. Well, what about Abraham? Was that Abraham our father justified by works? When he had offered Isaac, his son, up upon the altar, seest thou, thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. We are his workmanship in Christ Jesus, it said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we saw Ephesians 2, 10. And the scripture was fulfilled with, which said, Abraham believed God and was imputed unto him for righteousness. What was imputed? It's the faith. Not, not righteousness. Faith was imputed. Faith was imputed for his righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So a man is not justified by faith only. Could faith alone save him? He just answered it. No. Faith alone does not save a man. Faith without works is dead. So the man that says, hey, I just got the grace of God. I'm saved in my sin. And I'm going to heaven by, by grace through faith. And I'm going to heaven in my sin. That's not according to the gospel. That's a twisted version. You understand? And so that's primarily the whole world. The doctrine of the, of the modern day church. Um, let's, okay, Jesus said this. He said that we read in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8. It said that um, he will take fire vengeance on all those that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? You read that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, right? On those that know not God. And there's those that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel or the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ? Where is that found? Where is the, where the gospel is of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospels? Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's right. Okay, let you, let's, let's turn there and let's see some of the teachings of, of Jesus Christ that he's saying that if you don't obey... He's going to take fire vengeance out on you. And you all know all those. We, we don't even have to go through them, right? Do we need, do y'all want to go through them or do you know them already? You know them already. Well, you don't obey the commandments and he's coming with vengeance. And... Yeah, but what's happening is, is, is um, of course, people say, well, I'm not under that. I'm not under the commandments. You know, I don't need to do those. Well, we know that uh, the scripture says different, so we, we understand that. So uh, anybody have any questions or comments so far on that? You understand this, what it's saying. What, what, here, here's, where, here's, a, here's a question. Um, when people see the type of stuff that says, if you do not obey my commandments, what, what is the reply to that? Well, well we're going to stumble. So we're we're not gonna... under the law. <laughs> we're not under that law. That's what they so say. that's just a bunch of hogwash. Uh, all of them say that. If you ask somebody, uh, are you keeping the commandments of God? I'm, I'm not under the law to keep God's commandments. That's the... That, that is the answer. And Bob, is that pretty much would be the answer if you ask somebody that? I, I think that would pretty much be the answer. You know, uh, is I'm not under that. I don't, I don't so need I'm to do that. Well, you're not under it. So 
I used to always, and what you see at me is like, okay, guys, in, in, turn with me to Romans chapter 11. What about, the, what about when they see if you're, if, you, if you're sinning, if you have sinned, you're, you're a child of the devil. You're not close to even. What, what is said after that? What did they say to that? Yeah. They say if, they, if you're not practicing sin. They say practicing, and then they try to define how often it's practice. If you're not doing it, if you're doing it, uh, maybe I don't know what practice means. How much you got to do to be able to practice and not practice? I I, I never have got a straight <laughs> definition of like, like is it once a week, once a day, once every ten minutes? I, I don't know, <laughs> but but that's the word. But but the word practice is not anywhere in the Greek. Uh, it's the word pao is the Greek word for that they're using for practice which means to obey, to do, to execute. It's nowhere in the Greek, any of those that say practice. Says, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're committing sin, you're a slave to that sin. There's no, that, Jesus, Jesus said that himself in, in John chapter 8. He said everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's right. He's a slave. But, but now uh, the scripture says in Romans chapter 6 that we were slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. So I like to tell people, well, how are you doing, man? Well, I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm not a slave to sin. I've been set free. And we sing, they sing songs, everything, people sing songs about being free. But I always think, like, well, what are you really free from? Well, I'm free to sing. <laughs> no, that's not what Jesus talk, was talking about. When he said, in whom the Son says free, he's free indeed. What was he talking about? He was talking about being free from the bondage of, of sin. In, in Romans chapter 11, here Paul is um, lamenting. He's sorrowful, sorrowful because Israel rejected the Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Christ means Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. And Paul was lamenting for that, and, um, and he began to talk about what happened. We all know in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. Um, you know, and so they rejected him. Um, what do you mean, which own? What do you mean, like the disciples? What are you, what are you talking about? He came into his own Jews, oh. Israel, Jew, Israelites. Okay, we talking about Israel. They rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They hung Jesus on the cross. Well, yeah, I that. Okay. I'm saying you're reading, you're about to read something that he walks. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Israel, and I'm going to talk about us. Well, okay. First of all, the, the four gospels are still under the, in the Old Testament law. Jesus came to change that. Whenever he came to his own, then he came to his own people. He came to the Jews. He came to the to, to the Hebrews. Okay, the Gentiles had not yet come into the picture yet, unless they accepted the, the Hebrew belief in in, in in God. But Jesus came as Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, to change all of that. And 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 then, of course, you know about the rejection and. That's right. And he grew up under that under that theology that they he he knew that, and that's why he said he he, he kept telling them, "I came not to abolish abolish the law, but to fulfill." That's right. Amen. That's good, Bob. Yeah, that's that's good to understand that. What Bob is saying is there's a not a, there's not a New Testament until the death of the testator. So the New Testament didn't come in our new covenant until after Christ died and resurrected. Matter of fact, Jesus said, um, and he said on that last day, the great day of the feast, he said, 
he stood up and cried. He says, whoever thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For if he believe that the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, for the spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he says, for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he brought in the new covenant. But the whole time when Jesus sent his disciples, he says, only go to the house of Israel. You know, only speak this to the house of Israel. And there was occasionally a Gentile that came in or a Samaritan that came in and, and came in on the good thing. He says, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table and the Lord, the Lord blessed her and, and gave her some blessing from that. But Israel as a whole rejected Christ. He came over and over again and he told him, he says, John the Baptist was supposed to come and prepare the, did come to prepare the way of the Lord. He came and, and he preached what? Repentance. So that people would be ready when Jesus came, that they had, they would have turned from their sin and received the Messiah, and then the um, everlasting kingdom, the, the kingdom would come in, would be ushered in, and they would have a, a, a kingdom that had no end. But they rejected him, sure. you know, because he, he said, "Repent, or you shall likewise perish." And they did not accept Jesus as the Christ. So he came. The Bible says in John, when he came into his own, his own received him not. So here it talks about, he talks about this. He says it um, in verse, uh, I mean, Romans chapter 11. I'm going to go to the Gospels, but we're going to go to we're in Romans right now because I want to show this to you, then we'll go there. Romans chapter 11? Yeah, he says. Gospel means good news. Yeah, so the whole New Testament is the Gospel, basically. Gospel is Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, but, but that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the go whole gospel is the whole New Testament. Okay. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I am an also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew, for what you not that the scripture saith in Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed the prophets and dig down on altars, and I am left alone. Remember, this is what... This is what um, uh, Elijah thought. You know, he thought, I'm the only one, Lord. Uh, I'm left alone. And, they, and, they, and there, uh, Ahab and, and uh, Jezebel was coming to kill Elijah. And he said, I'm left alone, and now they want to kill me. But what saith the answer from God? And, God, and he said, I've reserved to myself 7,000 men have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. In other words, I've got 7,000 that still are going to serve me at that time. Even so, at, so then, at this present time, there also is a remnant, according to the election of grace, there are some Israelites that are going to follow the Lord, but it's a small remnant. Now, let's go a little bit further. Uh, it says here, let's start at verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles, unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. So we got in on a good thing. This gospel came to the Jews. The Jews didn't receive it. So now it's to the Gentiles. Our eyes have been opened to receive what the Jews rejected. For I speak unto you, to you Gentiles, verse 13, as much as I am also an apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation or jealousy, then which are my flesh and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the, reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. 
And if the root be holy, so are the branches. What does that remind you of? Does it remind you of John 15 when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches? Every branch that abides in me, he, he uh, prunes and it brings forth more fruit. Every branch that breaks off from me, or does not abide in me, he cuts off and throws to the fire. Uh, so we are the branches. He is the vine. Uh, so if, you could, if the vine is holy and you're connected to the vine, what are you? Holy. You're going to be holy. If you're not holy, you're not connected to him, right? right? He said, so the root be holy, so are the branches. Because why? Because we're living off of Christ. We're walking in him. We walk in obedience to him. Yeah. So that's another thing. By the fruit, you know them. They bring forth good fruit. They know not, not of Christ. If some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So here was this tree, and the branches were Jews. They were broken off. Why? Because of unbelief. We got grafted in. Now, we got some satsuma trees out there, you know, and a satsuma tree just doesn't grow out of the ground by itself, okay? You got to take a couple of different trees or whatever, and you graft in the branches, and, you, and, and it's grafted in. Excuse me? Because of the root system is weak, they grafted onto a larger tree. They, they grafted. A longer tree. Okay, and, and so it produces, when it's done correctly, the fruit, the tree will be grafted in with another tree, and the fruit that comes forth is a nice satsuma. Now, we, got, we had some trees out there I had to cut down. Because what happened is the graft, it was not done correctly, and not grafted in right, and some fruit that was horrible that you couldn't eat was on that tree. It brought forth bad fruit. Yeah. So I did what the Bible said, and I cut them down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And they in the fire, okay? So you were grafted in. You weren't a natural branch. Man, and it makes you think like, God, you just had mercy on me. Yeah. And you included me in on you when I wasn't originally that. I wasn't originally part of you. And you grafted me into you. So he says, um, and so now we're partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree. We're partakers of Christ. Boast not against the branches. In other words, don't get high-minded. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. And, and, and that's what's happening today is, is they're saying, you know what? I don't have to do like Israel. I can sin and, and walk just like they walked and still be covered by Jesus' blood and by his righteousness. And they, they really what you're doing when you say that, you're boasting against the branches. Because Hebrews chapter 4 verse, 4, verse 1 says, Let us fear lest any of us uh, fail of the grace of God of entering into his rest. For the same gospel that was preached unto them is preached to us, only they received it not by faith. So you have the same gospel being preached. It's not another gospel. It never was another gospel. Hebrews 13 says that, Jesus is, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. But look what it says further. He says, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou would say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Praise God. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. What does unbelief cause? Verse 20. Unbelief, what does unbelief cause? Disobedience. They disobeyed. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't obey what the Lord told them to do. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. <laughs> Don't be proud, be humble, and, and fear. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
Um, for if God spared not the natural branches, this doesn't go good with people that really believe once saved, always saved, okay? For if God spared not the natural branches, watch out, lest take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Cut off the same way, huh? Look, if, if he didn't spare his natural branches, you better watch out. He cut them off and grafted you in, and you think you don't need to follow the Lord, you don't need to do what he said to do, you think you can just accept him and go in, you better watch out because you're going to get cut off too. Behold, verse 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness, praise God, and, but don't forget, the severity. You understand what severity means? Serious. Cutting off. To sever something is what? If you're going to sever, you cut it. You sever it. Behold, the goodness and the severity of God. Watch out. The choice is yours. You can be other, under either. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Goodness and severity of God on them which fail, they cut, cut off. Severity. But toward thee, goodness. Uh-oh, there's an if word there. <laughs> if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Now, one thing to all these people, do you want, you want to know how to answer this? So this is talking about Israel as a whole and the Gentiles as a whole. That it's not talking about you individually. Uh, which is very, very weak <laughs> because it is. If you boast against the branches and you think you're okay and you're not living for the Lord, you better know the goodness and the severity of God on those that fail severity. And when I look at this, I think about us Gentiles. We're, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. We got in on a good thing. <laughs> okay? We were blessed. Yeah. And when I think about getting in on that good thing, and they were God's natural branches, and they were told, guys, if you don't do this, you don't follow what I say, you will not enter the kingdom of God. How can I say Hey, man, I got on a good thing. I don't have to do what they did. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is believe, and I'm going to be okay. All I have to do is accept it by grace through faith, and I'm going to be okay. I don't have to obey the Lord. Then you're really in trouble. But what, when you do that, though, you're, you're really eliminating, and Bob, a lot of people do this because of what we said before. They say, well, well, hey, the New Testament wasn't really in effect until Christ died. So all those teachings of Christ really Old Testament. So I don't really need to obey those. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Bob quoted a scripture a minute ago when he said this in, in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, let's read it, the rest of the scripture. Um, <laughs> I never really thought about it much, not. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. We'll know one day. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 5 in verse 17. I want you to read verse 17 through verse, at least verse 19, would you? Verse 17 through 19. Actually... When you read these verses here, you'll find that Jesus changed the old covenant before he died. 
because he goes into, before it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that if you look upon a woman to lust after you, you've committed adultery in your heart. So he actually made it rougher, <laughs> you know, extended the, the, that, the moral law of mankind. Let me explain something to you. Yeah, right there. Yeah, but the change. What some people think? Well, the change was he's eliminating all those do's and don'ts. No, he made the do's and don'ts even higher, a higher standard. Let me let me explain something to you. That's very very important. The the scripture does talk about in Galatians about not being under the law. That we're going back under the law. What was it talking about? What law were they talking about? There's more than one law in the Old Testament. There was the Levitical priesthood law, which was circumcision, washing of pots, feast days, holy days, all these things, Sabbaths. All these things were, um, were part of the Levitical law. 16, uh, 613, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. A lot of them, okay, they were part of the old law. That's what Christ abolished, okay? There was the moral law. Uh, which was the Ten Commandments, uh, which, was the, which was even in existence before the Ten Commandments. You remember when, when um, Adam and Eve had two sons, right? Cain and Abel. Uh, they both made sacrifice. Um, Abel uh, made, uh, offered up a lamb to the Lord as a sacrifice. Cain, he made a garden and gave God some lettuce. And uh, God was more pleased in Abel's sacrifice than he was of Cain's. And so Cain became very envious and jealous of his brother uh, and became angry, and the Lord spoke to Cain. Turn with me there. Hold your place here, Matthew 5. We'll come back to that. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. You know, the, the difference is that uh, his own traditional laws, most of the time, he pronounced uh, the sentence on people that did such things. You know, yeah, yeah. What we call Let's go to chapter 4 of Genesis and verse 5. After they'd offered the sacrifice, it says, but uh, verse 5, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. You see people get angry, and all of a sudden their face changed. They give you these ugly faces, right? So his face didn't look too good. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you so wroth? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, shalt thou be not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is lying at your door. And unto thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. Uh, somebody else have another version? Anybody reading from another version? Downcast. Huh? The only difference is his face was downcast. Okay, well, and read the rest of the verse. Uh, it says, but on Cain, uh, but on Cain uh, and his offering did not look uh, with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? <clears throat> if you do what is right, uh, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, 
and you must rule over it. So what was being said there, guys? Was that a commandment? Yeah, it was there way back then, before the Ten Commandments that Moses went up and mounted. The moral law was there from the beginning. He was telling him, you need to rule over it. Did he say, well, you're not, I know you're not capable of it because of what your daddy did? You know, in that garden, that you have a sin nature and that you, the best you're going to do is fail. So, you, you know, he would tell him, look, rule over it, but I know you really can't. But did they know the moral law? Huh? Did, did they have the moral they had it. They're conscious. Yeah, they, 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 every man was built with that. It says, says that the grace of God has appeared to all men, to all men, teaching them to, to obey, to, uh, uh, to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And, and he, they, they had a conscience in their minds of what was wrong and what was right. God built that in man. And God built that in man to make a choice. Basically, the ones you feed win. Huh? Yeah, the one you feed wins. That's right. But you had a choice from the beginning. That's why God was saying, listen, man, you know, sin's crouching at your door. You know, and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. And if you feed that, he wins. you You can make a choice to keep in your anger and go kill your brother, you know, with your anger. Or you can make the choice to say, okay, thank you, God, for telling me that. Thank you for speaking to my heart. And God's telling him this is wrong. But he didn't listen to God. He broke the commandment of God, and it cost him because then he was kicked out, and he had a mark on his head and went throughout all the land uh, as as a a fugitive, the Bible says. But the point I wanted to make was that the law, the moral law, never goes away. The Levitical law, the old priesthood law, circumcision, and that's what they were doing in Galatians. If you read the book of Galatians, they were going back and telling people that needed to be circumcised. They needed to go through circumcision in order to be saved. They needed to uh, honor certain holy days and feast days. Uh, they, they were putting it back on the law. Paul was like, man, what are you doing? You know, this is, this is no good. You know, you're not to go back to the law again because you're making the, the cross of Christ of no effect. You're crucifying Christ again. There's no more sacrifice for your sin. You do that. Why, uh, why did he uh, describe the sin as sin crouching at his door instead of the, the enemy or, uh, or the devil or Satan? He because he had the choice. It was in, it was in, it, remember he said his face was dropped, his countenance was dropped. Uh, he was showing anger. You know, just like, We've all experienced that, you know, where we felt this huge anger and what, what comes with anger? Then malice starts coming, you know, and bitterness and yes. all this stuff starts mounting up. You're feeling the emotion. You, you have these thoughts also coming at you, but you're also thinking, what am I going to do? Being, I'm mad. I'm going to take this out on this guy. You know, he, he, God likes him more than me. I'll just kill him. And so he did. He killed him. But he made the choice to do that. God warned him. God said, you must rule over it. Rule over this thing. Stop right now. The same way that we have now. You have a choice. Anger comes at each one of us, each, all of us, and he tries to come at us. The enemy is, tries to come at us, but sometimes it's from yourself. This anger may come, and you rule over it because you make a choice. I'm not to. I've repented. That's why you turn from your sin. Guys, the only, the, only, the only reason we ever sin is because we really love sin more than we love God. Mm. We have a choice. Remember what he said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? 
No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to me. God's faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but he will provide you a way of escape so that you can bear it. He was providing Cain a way of escape from that sin, but he didn't take the way of escape. It, it, it really it goes back to when they, uh, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It's when they, when it had, their, their conscience uh, came to life because before that, they didn't know until they were taught. Whenever they were taught and then they ate of the, the forbidden fruit, then their eyes were opened. They realized, hey, I just, I, I just sinned. They knew it. They knew it exactly. God cannot allow disobedience in his presence. He was able to walk with them and talk with them. He had to kick them. He drove them out. He ran them out of the garden. Mm -hmm. But after they were out of the garden, he still associated with them in such a manner that they knew what they had to do and so when it comes time for giving the sacrificial whatever they did for, uh, to honor God and, and Cain came and did what he did to Abel, okay, if you read further, it, it says when God came to him, he drove Cain away from him because he could not allow that disobedience to be in his presence. Right. The sin could not be there, but he drove him away with a warning. And with a mark. Yes, you already know what good and what bad. You know the, the knowledge of good and evil. Now it's your choice to not do it again. As it went on, evil progressed. And if you get over to, I think it's the end of chapter 6 there, it says it got so bad that the people were beginning to call upon the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because God had to depart. He couldn't dwell in all that wickedness that was going on. Mm -hmm. It was not allowed. Mm -hmm. If you know that God, even all the way up through the children of Israel coming out, had a way of, of, of associating with humans on the earth in some manner or form. He did it by fire. He did it in a cloud. And even when the temple was built uh, uh, and the Mosaic law was established, he came down and sat on the mercy seat mm -hmm. whenever the sacrifice was made for the yearly atonement. So... He would not allow himself to be in the presence of the evil that was taking place on the earth. They had to know and understand that the sin that was taking place was destroying them. I got to. I got to. It's really, really bad. So you got to figure that whenever he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden at that one time, they knew then the difference between good and evil, what sin is and what sin is not. Because if you go on, and Peter, I think it's Peter that says, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, it's just sin. Yeah. So that explains it right there. That anything that's not right, righteous in God's eyes, it's wrong. And that is disobedient. And when you come down to the unbelief, whenever you get to a point of unbelief, then you're totally rejecting God's word. And in that is, is a willful disobedience of God's word. Okay? And God does not tolerate that. That's why he disciplines us. That's why his, his, That's why at, at times, whenever we feel like things are not going right, we need to re-examine ourselves and but figure out what have I done wrong to make these things happen in my life, take place in my life. 
Yeah, um, in Isaiah, to go along with that, Bob, in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, he says, but your iniquities, your sin, have separated between you and your God. You know, that, that, that sin separated them, separate, or separates us, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. So that's strong, you know, your sin can separate you from God, or will separate from God, and he won't even hear you. Um, Adam and Eve, let's just talk about this. He was talking about, about Adam and Eve. I was thinking, you know, Adam and Eve were giving one commandment, right? <laughs> they were giving one commandment. Don't eat the tree that's in the midst of the garden, you know? And, uh, and, and so they had a choice. The angels that sinned, they had a choice. And they failed. My question is, again, they were kicked out of heaven. Adam and Eve for eating of the fruit. Kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Okay, kicked out of the Garden of Eden. All right. At, at what, what, what age were they when that happened? Probably 992 years old. Okay, how, Who knows? <laughs> how old did they live to be? Uh, I think 900 something years. Okay, uh, and they had. I think Methuselah was the oldest, yeah, but yeah. yeah. They, had, they had many children. Yeah, they, they had to, children. Did Adam and Eve go back to heaven when they died? I don't know. You don't know. It just depends whether they had a, a real repentance in their life and turned to the Lord with all the heart. Um, it seems like they had somewhat because they raised Cain and Abel to seemingly know know what to, to. Hey, man, you better you better do what God says. It, it could be a lot worse, you know. So it seems like they did, but man in his own always seems to turn the wrong direction. They were sons of God. They were they were actually the sons of God of Adam and Eve then. If you go to another, if you go to the next chapter, I think it's might be six. At the beginning of it, if you read what Eve said when she had Enoch, uh, her first, uh, uh, yeah. let me go there real quick. Let's see. It says, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. Here, Adam That wasn't a good thing, though. No. <laughs> it was it a bad was, thing. That's where the giants came from. It wasn't a good thing, but there, but, but after, after Cain did what he did, and after evil prevailed over the land, going on through with, with, uh, with uh, what was it, Lamech, who said because of Cain's sin, uh, 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 he was. He was punished sevenfold or something. He said, "My punishment." It, it, it got, after after Enoch, it got worse and worse. It got Nim, worse. Nimrod, and then finally the Noah's flood. You know, would have kept the Noah's time. And then finally, when Eve had another son, then that son became after the image of of Adam. Before the sons of men were after the image of God, the sons of God. There's a difference there. Well, the Bible even says that. that Christ's lineage was as the son of Adam, uh, but um, but nevertheless, it it it's um, it's amazing how he got kicked out of the garden. Uh, 
then things didn't go, things went along for a while. They had one son that was Enoch that, you know, several of them that uh, did well. Enoch, the Bible says, uh, that God just took him, you know, because he pleased God. You know, he was a man of faith. But then after that, a, a fellow by the name of Nimrod rose up in Genesis 11. And Nimrod, uh, you know, Nimrod was after Noah. You know, before, before Nimrod was Noah. And that whole generation, there, there was evil imaginations in their mind continually to do evil. And, um, and he says that the last days shall be like the days of Noah. You know, when there Noah was, and, and I always think about that because you think about how the Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness, which meant he was preaching, no, you know, you, you guys got to quit sinning, you got to come to the Lord, you, you need to live for the Lord with everything and obey the Lord. And nobody, nobody listened to him. I mean, they probably had churches there, just like they do today, and they had groups and they had help groups and all that stuff, but they wouldn't listen to what Noah was saying. He had no converts. He basically had none. And God destroys everybody. And you think, put yourself there in that time. You would probably think, well, the majority had to be right, not Noah. He's just a, one guy with a little family. And he's building this gigantic boat when it, for what the Bible says, it had never rained before. It never rained. Now he's building a boat. This guy is a loony. You know, like it's, it's never rain, even rained before. And he said it's gonna, the earth's going to be flooded. And they're laughing him to scorn. They're saying, man, man, Noah, you're by yourself, man. Come on, you can't be, everybody else is wrong. And you're right? Yeah, right, come on, man. You could see that, how that could be. And he's preaching and he's cheering and nobody's coming to the Lord. And then the Lord shuts the door of the ark. And you can imagine people trying to get in and it's too late. And the whole, as time goes on, the same thing happens. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, the same thing. The Bible says Lot was a just man. He was a righteous man. He was a preacher of righteousness, just like Noah. And it says that it vexed his righteous soul to look at what they were doing day by day and they wouldn't listen to him. How many converts did he have? None. You think that maybe even his wife would come along and she walks out of the city with him and she looks back, one sin, looks back and God destroys and turns her to a pillar of salt and he, and he comes on out of the city and he's the only one. Well, just like us today, like, oh, come on, y'all little old group over there, y'all can't be right in this whole modern-day church of, of Rome. That's hard for people to imagine. They think, well, man, those, all these preachers telling us that we're, we've been imputed Christ's righteousness, that we have his cloak of righteousness upon us, that we're, we're, we, we had inherited Adam's sin nature and will always sin till the day we die. And, and here we are, a small group here, meeting once a week, doing a few YouTube videos, and there's a few more in the earth like us, but not a lot, just like the days of Noah. And I think sometimes, guys, I begin to think, how can we make an effect on other people to share the truth with them so that they can come out and their, their lives get right with God so they're ready to meet the Lord because they're not ready to meet the Lord. I was talking today, did a video on, on um, in Luke chapter 6, and it talked about, it says, if the blind leave the blind, what happens? They both go 
They both fall in a ditch. And, he's, and then he says, who's the blind person? He says, thou hypocrite. He talks about the hypocrite that um, if you have, that has an, uh, a beam in his eye. Well, if you got a beam in your eye, you're not seeing very well, right? You take a big beam and you put your face up against it and see what you see. You don't see clear. He says, and the Bible says, he doesn't see clearly. So you got this beam in your eye and you go into your brother and you're trying to help him get the little sliver out of his eye, the boat out of his eye. The Bible doesn't say that's the way you live. Don't judge anybody. It doesn't say that. It says to remove the, the moat, uh, uh, the beam that's in your eye so you can see clearly to take the moat out of your brother's eye. The object of it was that you not be a blind man trying to guide another blind man and you're going to both fall in a ditch. So we got all these people that say, well, I got a beam in my eye. I got a moat in my eye because I'm always sin till the day I die. That's what the moat is, okay? It's sin. It's darkness. So they're trying to lead all these people and they're the blind leading the blind and they both falling into a ditch. And here you are, all of a sudden, you got this beam removed from your eye, the moat removed from your eye, and you see in clear, and you're like, oh my. All these people, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, be in all readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience has been made full. Well, you would never be ready if the, if the scripture says, that your obedience may be full if you couldn't be, be obedient. So he's saying your obedience is full. Be ready to help the others to get the, beam, the boats out of the beams out of their eyes. But if you're a blind man and you got these people that are admittedly saying, I'll sin till the day I die, let me help you. That's the blind leading the blind, right? What's going to happen? They both fall in the pit, the pit of hell. But he says, remove the beam. Get it out so that you can help your brother with the moat that is in his eye. That's righteous judgment. Jesus said, judge righteous judgment, not hypocritical judgment. Because if I tell my brother, hey, man, let me help you get that out of your life. Let me, let me straighten that out. But I, I got something in my own life. Then I'm a hypocrite. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 2, he says, you murder, do you t tell another not to steal? You who steal, do you tell somebody not to Lust? He said, you're a hypocrite if you're doing that. He says, the only way to be able to preach to somebody or to share with somebody is to make sure you got it out of your own. Because if you don't, and you're telling somebody, yeah, you need to do that, you're a hypocrite. Because you're doing, you're doing the same thing. So the object was to get it out. 